And now I would like to introduce our spiritual leader, a man who's bringing palm trees and warm Hawaii breezes with him as he shows up this morning, Dr. Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. And welcome to the center. I've got a bit of Elizabeth's scarf with me, I guess. Either that or I'm growing a mustache. <coughs> All right. Well, I'd like to invite you to uh, sing a song and say a prayer with me, if that's something that you'd like to do. Or I won't be, we're not keeping track, so if you just move your lips, I won't know whether you're singing or not. But if you'd like to stand with me, that's great. If not, please stay seated. The words are over my shoulder. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power. To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room So I invite you to know with me in this moment the one life, the one power, the one infinite divine activity everywhere present is at my center, at your center. And so I give thanks in that recognition in the divine conversation at the seat of my soul. That recognition, that indwelling presence. And so I just give thanks this day knowing that as I connect with that divine essence as I consciously move my thinking in that direction that I'm guided and resourced that the peace that passeth all understanding is readily available and I stand in, in divine receptivity grace, awareness and my life is a, is a direct expression of that experience more and more each and every day in every way possible and so I just give thanks knowing that the good that is available here and now has a place to land in my experience. That I'm open and permeable to the possibilities, the opportunities, and the elevation of thinking and experience that are my, are my divine bounty. So I give thanks for all the blessings, for the music this day, for this beautiful planet to live upon, to create in, and to bask in the glow of being in divine union. For this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Brown. That was beautiful. We are using Ernest Holmes' uh, 365 Days of Richer Living 
And I brought a copy up here with me because um, it's a, it, we have four left. So if you're interested, and please let them know in the bookstore. We, it's kind of an art. We want to be... Uh, um, you know, effective with our ordering. Sometimes we order books in and they, and they sit there for a long time. So if you're interested in one, of, it's a wonderful book and you can have it for the rest of your life. But what it is is a compilation of, of uh, affirmative prayers that he and Raymond Charles Barker uh, wrote. And each day it's, it's a, a way of dipping into that well of consciousness. So it's a consciousness upon the, the, the writings that Dr. Holmes shared. And he truly was a practical mystic. And today is, is, is January 15th. The title is, there is subtle, There's a Subtle Power Within Me, The Essence of Spirit. There's a subtle power within me, the essence of spirit. The great prophet Amos tells us that God of hosts is the name of the power that transformed the mountains, creates the winds, and declares its presence in the sanctuary of our own thought. This poetical description of spirit be, brings a sense of lightness, of peace, and of transcendent joy. He seems to have lifted the load of life in his declaration that the Spirit treads upon the high places of the earth. And this transcendent thought of God should ever be with us, and like Jesus, we should walk over the waves of human disturbance rather than being submerged by them. Again, our lesson tells us that the Atman, which means the real self, is eternal and permanent. And here the text swings into the profound observation that spirit exists within itself. This is a definite meaning and demonstration. Life does not depend upon something outside itself, but immediate, immediately precipitates itself in our experience when we recognize it. It is this divine recognition which gives us transcendent power, and we, we may rely upon this law, for it's, it is absolute. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. And so each day it's a, it's a reading and then there's a bit of a description at the, at the end of each prayer. It varies a bit from day to day. But what it is is an opportunity to, to bring oneself into divine alignment and, and recognition of the divinity. It's always about dipping into that wellspring of divine awareness and having the practices in our lives that, that allow us to sort of metaphorically take a shower in, in the, the truth of our being. And so it's a powerful tool. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a tool that I think is, is worth having in our lives. And this, we're starting off the year talking about setting intentions. And we talked about it in December a bit, and we're talking about it again today. But what would you like to see happen in your experience this year? Because that's what's really important. And every thought impresses upon this infinite aspect of the infinite, an idea. And that thing itself, its, its operation in our lives is to simply support us in whatever it is we bring to it. So as the quality of what we bring to it shifts and changes, as we set an intention to shift something in our experience, then there's a lot of things that are involved with that. And there's a lot of aspects to it. We don't need to understand all of it, but I think that what we, what's important to know is that, that co-creation, creation is, is, a, is not an accident. It's, it's part of a, a preparation. So our intention is really about preparation for ourselves. This can, this environment, our lives can be a place of new beginnings. The wonderful minister that's uh, been in Chicago for years and years and years, and I think she's in Florida now, Johnny Johnny uh, Coleman, 
and she's a beautiful black woman, and she was trained at Unity Village, and, and I saw her speak there one year. It was really wonderful to watch her do her thing. <clears throat> and she's, she's um, actually been one of Oprah's mentors for a number of years and uh, has an amazing movement that she's sort of founded and has really helped launch in the inner cities. But Johnny would say that, and I, I think many people have probably heard it if they've if ever been to a 12-step meeting, but it, it works if you work it. It works if you work it, and it requires working it. Alan Schofeld, who's a mathematician, um, provided a course and offers a course in problem solving. And it's around math. And what he has found with people, then there's a questionnaire that people fill out. But what he's found with it is that to the extent that people fill out the questionnaire, the, the, the extent that they, if they really flesh out the question, they really look at it, and they really answer the questions in a very detailed and sort of sequential, sequential way, the people that give the most um, um, comprehensive description to the answers uh, are the ones that do well in the math. And he's concluded that what happens is that for most people, that, that when we have a math problem, we'll, the, the average person spends about 30 seconds looking at it and either deciding it's solvable or it's not solvable or you know, dis, dis, dismissing it. But the ones that spend the time are more successful, which would seem obvious. But what it, what it suggests is that with our practice, that rather than do our prayer work, you know, we offer affirmative prayer for people each week. If you'd like to come in and be supported in a new intention, a new idea, what you'd like to see happen. And that's all really good and wonderful. But it's also reflective, we can fall into the trap of, of what is very popular, especially in, in Western culture, that somebody else is going to do it for me. And I've made the prayer request and, um, you know, pray for me. And, and I want the demonstration, I want the change, I want the shift. And many times it doesn't happen because, um, and I'm not saying it's not effective, because it is effective, it's a step, and it's, it's a step in the right direction. But what it requires for all of us, myself included, and this many times, is rather than look for the fast way to do this, I must become fascinated with it. Which leads me back to the idea that, that students that excel in mathematics... The ones that are looking for the fast way to do it, it's very easy to say, I'm not doing this. It's too hard. But the ones that become fascinated with, with how to solve it and to look at it and to work with oneself and one's awareness are more successful. And I think it suggests that it's important for us if we have an intention, we set an intention, and we're looking to shift and change things in our lives because all of it, experience, consciousness precedes experience is to be able to do the work necessary. So I think it's important to know that when we ask for prayer support, we set an intention. It's also important for us to continue to pay attention because if we ask for a different experience in our lives and then we go back to our uh, habitual ways of thinking which don't support it, we're, we're in opposition. We're, we're not congruent with the ideas. So today is uh, this idea about getting inspired because inspiration is very important in, in wanting. Why want, why the longing for the, the experience? And I notice on Facebook, people will send me things about the intention they've set for this year, and it's wonderful. And how do you keep the energy behind that? How do you keep feeding that and nurturing that idea? We've put new banners up. We've simplified our mission and, and vision. Our, our vision is a, a vibrant spiritual community. 
And the way we achieve that is to teach and live from love. And those are shortened versions of what we had before, but they were, I couldn't remember them, what we had up before. So I thought, I think they're too long, a vibrant spiritual community, but it's the vibrancy. It's living in that inspiration. Inspiration is the revelation in conscious mind beyond what the conscious mind could come up with. So when we have ideas that show up in our experience, they're inspired. And they come from the one mind that Ernest Holmes talked about. So when we set an intention, it really serves us well to continue to pay attention to what's showing up around that intention. And that's our work to continue to do. So we play a part in this. Many times we don't feel like we need inspiration because we're we're already engaged in solving the problem. We're already engaged in in, in some type of uh, uh, resolution with it. But when things happen beyond us, when things show up for us that we don't seem to have the answers for, it's a call for all of us for inspiration. To bring something out of us beyond what we thought it could be. And we're all capable of that. Rather than let it cave us in and implode, it's, also, it's, it's a way of saying, hmm, I'm called to this and I don't know how to get there. Thomas Troward, who was an influence of Dr. Holmes, he was an early metaphysician, lived in India, was influenced by much of the Hindu and and Eastern traditions, um, and did a great deal of writing which tremendously influenced Dr. Holmes. We studied Dr. Uh, Troward and we studied uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson because those are the people that Holmes studied. Troward said that my mind is a center of divine operation. My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and further expression. Always for expansion and further expression. Always for expansion and further expression. So when we feel inspired, when an idea shows up that's pushing us, Dr. Holmes in the Beverly Hills Lectures uh, describes it this way. Thing back of things which always shoves itself through an instrument that is prepared to receive it. He's talking about ideas. And so it's our opportunity to prepare ourselves to receive it. We're not. But if we're busy in the intellect solving the problem at that level, Einstein talked about it. That the the thinking that created the problem is not the level of thinking that's going to move us beyond the problem. And it is available to all of us. When you start a class, we're starting our classes uh, this week. One of the things, first things we do in class is we meditate. <clears throat> we start with a meditation. Uh, and it's a very important piece because it's a doorway into the opportunity. The class becomes an incubator for this vibration of the Most High, for that divine intuition. And, and it's, a, it's a glimpse at that. And then eventually that becomes more and more our way of operating. My mind is the center of divine operation, Dr. Troward said. The divine operate is, operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. And this means the production, production of something beyond what has gone before, entirely new, not included in past experiences. Dr. Holmes synthesized that to say that the principle that we stand upon is not bound by precedent. Our principle is not bound by precedent. So there's an opportunity for something new to be given birth. And it doesn't matter what came before. Because all that came before was right and perfect. We, had, we could come no other way than to bring us to this moment of possibility. We either create from the past or we invite something new. It's the way we work. An inspired idea. It's either based in the past or the future. And we get to choose. 
So it's really about understanding that, that we may not know all of the details of the future, but we're ready for the shift and, and the change. And, as, and all it takes is a, a bit of an opening. All it takes is the idea, and then to continue to nurture that idea. The divine, you see, the divine can only do one thing, and that's say yes. It is, it is equal to everyone. The divine cannot change its nature. It must operate within the same manner within me and within you. So that operation is a given. But what can change is the subjective nature of our consciousness and the intentions that we set. So we're going into a new year and we're, we've got new intentions to, to look at, to entertain. And, and the first step in that is, is the divine relationship. It's in, and it's in all traditions. Dr. Holmes wrote in the, I'm reading from the Beverly Hills Lectures by Ernest Holmes. <clears throat> he said that we have a possibility of doing something that has never been done in the world before. And that is providing a great object lesson of what can be done by any group of intelligent people who are dedicated to an idea. So it doesn't matter what happened before. Principle is not bound by precedent. All we have to do is be dedicated to this idea today and to, to continue to build that, that dedication. Dedicated to an idea. Who believe in it. People who understand it. People who feel it emotionally and have an inward faith and conviction about it which makes it a reality to them, to you and I. And so those intentions are important. We're starting our Prosperity Plus class this, this afternoon, and it's really about establishing a new vision and a new idea of how we would like our lives to look. And what it does, that whole vision thing, is that it, it allows us to dwell on a new idea, a new possibility, because it is through our thinking, it is through the level of our consciousness that those ideas can, can show up. And sometimes it show, feels like it shows up out of the blue. We believe in it, understand it, feel it emotionally, and have an inward faith and conviction about it, which makes it a reality to us. I consider that we are dealing with the ultimate reality so far as we, ha we understand it, the most potential and potent force in the universe. We are going through our integration uh, with the two organizations, and, and there's some elections that are happening. And I was on the line, there's uh, interviewing candidates. And we have some people that are running for our new spiritual leader, some people that are running for our presidency. And one of the candidates said, one of the challenges that she sees, and I would agree with it, so that's why I'm bringing it, is that we have many people that are in positions of, of leadership and influence within our movement that aren't quite sure. There's still some lingering doubt. There's still some, some and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, because, my God, my hat's off to people that step up and, and teach this stuff and, 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 and make a life of this. But Don Miguel Ruiz said that to James Golden years ago. He said, the problem you guys have with your movement is you don't believe it. And I thought, well, how, where do I play in that? Because when I hear that, of course, you want to defend it. What do you mean we don't believe? You know? But, but we're, all in, we're all in various stages of our own evolution. And he wasn't saying it from, from criticism, because I think that's the conditions of the world. But how do we deepen in our practice and our knowing and, and feeling it and living from it? And it requires practice. It requires preparation. We went to see uh, Brian McLeod play last night with his band. And one of the things I got, he was playing at the blue chair. And it was great. But there had been a lot of preparation. These guys just didn't get come and show up and say, hey, let's play a song together. You know, Anna didn't just show up this morning 
you know, from driving a, 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 a tow truck and saying, you know, I want to sing one day. There's hours and hours and hours of preparation that go into the presenting a song so it's a work of art. And the same with, with Brian, the same with all of us. So to think that we're going we're gonna to take this teaching, we're going to say one affirmative prayer, we're going to work with the practitioner for 15 minutes, and then we're going to go back living our lives the way we used to and think we're going to change the results. It requires our work. It requires our dedication, our commitment, our, our cherishing and honoring. And, that, and that's what shifts and changes us. That's what grows a different idea and a different experience for us. Simple. Simple, simple, really simple. Change your thinking, change your life, but really hard. This has been for me, and, I, and, and I'm not saying hard in that it's impossible or difficult, but it requires dedication, it requires my commitment. So we have these conversations, and we offer the classes, and we come together so that when you and I have a different tools in our toolbox, I'm an old carpenter. And, and, and when I started out doing carpentry, I had very little in my toolbox. And as time went by and as I got a little better and a little better, I would improve the quality of my tools. But it took time. It was really a wonderful metaphor of kind of my own evolution in terms of that modality. But as we have different tools to work with, it makes work less hard in the outer to have the wisdom and the clarity about what's going on in our lives. It, it, it allows us to live life with less stress and to understand that, yeah, this may be the current conditions of my life, but those are temporary, and I'm moving forward. And it's our divine urge. There's a divine quality within all of us. We are hardwired with this. Everyone has this, this urge to, to come back home, to return home to that divine self, that divine essence of who and what we are. It's alive in every human being. You see it in every tradition. In, in Scripture, Jesus talks about it, that we must, we must learn, it's in, I think it's in Luke, we must learn to hate our parents. And I think it's one of those statements he made that a lot of people discount and say, what, you know, what's he talking about? What he's talking about, it, it, my interpretation of that would be, is that for us to move into the new consciousness, he talks about wineskins a lot of times. Talks about you can't, you know, put an old wine into new wineskins and all that stuff. He's talking about consciousness. And he's talking about that we must be able to put down the ideas that we were given as children and, and conditioned and exposed to so that we can leave home and go and develop the consciousness that we're all called to develop, that call to answer the call. So then we can return home with a new gift. And how many people are willing to do that? If you look what's, what's popular right now. I mean, part of the native tradition is to, pra- to, to prepare for seven generations out. Uh, we've all heard that story, that the, the, the indigenous people talk about preparing for seven generations, which is a lot of time and a lot of people. And when you look at some of the conversations that are going on, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen, uh, so I'm not picking on the U.S. citizens. I'm one of them. But this idea of the tea party, which is, you know, don't change anything. I want mine and I want it right now. It's just an idea of lack and limitation. There's no, there's no vision in it. There's no, and that's what we're called to do, each and every one of us. Dr. Holmes in the Beverly Hills Lectures talks about this vision. So our intention is about a vision. 
We're starting a new year. What are you called to do? Is it to improve your health? Is it to improve your level of thinking? Is it a, to immerse yourself around people of like-minded possibilities and opportunities to move through some of those habitual blocks and limitations that you've had in your life? Dr. Holmes said, the moment you step out of the ordinary ranks, which is the race consciousness, which is the habitual thinking, which is this, for many people, it's, it's lack and limitation. Let's protect what we have. <clears throat> and I'm not saying we don't, we don't, we're not mindful and we don't use resources wisely. But it's really about our goal is not to protect the status quo. The moment you step out of the ordinary ranks, the moment that you step out of the procession that moves endlessly down the aisle, you are a spotlight of evolution. You are a spotlight of evolution. Your choice has decided you. Your choice has decided you. I love that. Your choice has decided you. As soon as we say no to this anymore, the universe is conspiring in every good way for the new idea to show up. But we must look and examine, so we set the intention, and then all of a sudden stuff comes up. And like, I guess, do I want to hang on to this? Can I, can I maintain this and move into this new experience? Or whatever it may be. But your choice has decided you, and you are no longer going to think as others. You are no longer going to lay your greatness at the feet of a person whom you recognize to be great. And I think that's an easy trap to fall into. When I look at the criticism of people that are are our so-called leaders on the planet, I want the best for them, but I don't abdicate all my authority to that person because I know I can't. They represent a certain aspect. They may or may not represent some of the things I believe in, but I still have to choose. So we do not lay our, our, our greatness at the feet of the person whom we recognize to be great. The moment a person steps out of the endless stream of humanity, he no longer goes by the norm that was set by the mass mind. He is a leader. He's a leader. He is a thinker. He is one who introduces new things into the world. He is now, in my mind, one specially chosen by cosmic intelligence for a definite purpose. But we have to create the vision ahead of ourselves. And that's the importance of intention. And this is a call for all of us to answer it. It doesn't mean we have to change the world. We don't, it doesn't mean we have to get involved in politics. But it means in a, to cha- challenge the status quo of our own thinking and where we are limiting our experience of life and where we are limiting possibilities. And Ernest Holmes is just such a wonderful, wonderful thinker. So our spiritual practice... Our classes, the things that we do, we come together. When we come together in classes, it's always, you guys are always different and and wonderful and new. We get together and it becomes an incubator for the new. And we get to look at it and things bubble to the surface and we say, let's, look at that. Look at that. Well, I couldn't, I can't do this teaching because I, I, when I was a kid, I stole, or last week I, I stole, took something that wasn't mine, and I'm not a good person, or I've made mistakes, I've disappointed people, or people have disappointed me, or I've been in relationships where someone made a promise, and then they, they lied, or they, they, you know, they stole, for whatever it may be. All that's, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, because those things happen. Michael Beckwith, in his book, Spiritual Inspiration, says that he tells, you know, he's a man of color, and he tells the people in his congregation, he said, yes, there's prejudice in the world. There's a glass ceiling. There are people out there that don't like you just because of the color of your skin. There's all those things. 
But he says to them, you get to decide whether you're going to allow that to be your limitation or not. So some of it is exterior, some of it is cultural, some of it is the race consciousness, the cultural conditioning, and some of it is our own conditioned thinking. And what we all get to decide, you and I and everybody, is our mistakes, is what we perceive as our badness, our wrongness, our not good enough, is all that stuff and all of our stories and the mistakes we've made, whether intentional or not, the disappointments we've shared with others or they've shared with us, is our badness bigger than God's goodness? Are the things that, the stories that you bring along that limit your, your, your access to that vibration of the Most High, your identification with divinity, are they bigger than God's goodness? Because everything I've read and everything that Jesus talked about when he came down the line and Buddha and, and Plato and Socrates and Aristotle and about 15, 20 people that have changed the world by their level of consciousness. Could you imagine where we would be without those teachers? What it would look like? So I'm grateful for the information. And what I know is that every, almost every parable that Jesus talked about was about that transformation of consciousness and elevating the thinking and understanding that there's a divine grace, there's a divinity, there's a vibration of the Most High, but we have to shift ourselves out of the race consciousness. When we're around our family of origin and they're pointing out all our mistakes and where we've screwed up over the years, to be able to say, okay, I hear you. Yeah, that was me then. But change is possible. You know, when people come up to me now and they, and they point out a, a shortcoming, I know that sounds impossible, but it's true. I thank them. I say, yeah, keep me in your prayers. I'm a work in progress. We're all works in progress. We're all works in progress. And so what elevates us, what lifts us out of that? And it's through our doing our spiritual practice. It's having the authentic conversation. It's about practicing forgiveness as often as necessary. As this amazing teacher from Nazareth said, seven times 70 means a lot of times. It's 490, I think, isn't it? It's a lot. Sometimes I have to do 490 acts of forgiveness in one day. So this, this, I think this, acts, this uh, idea, this mindset that we're going to walk around in this physical form as angels on this planet in perfection... Sprinkling angel dust over here and sprinkling angel dust over there. It's, it's the thinking of a child. It's, it's, it's immature thinking. I think what it, it really requires is really stepping up in the world and saying, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, I had a rough day there the other day. I lost my temper. I got upset. You know, I was judging myself, judging everybody. If we allow the, that experience to block us from stepping back into union to stepping back into that divine relationship, we stop. We change the banners, vibrant spiritual community. It's on the green, which is the green edge of growing that Mary Man and Morrissey talks about. We're going to start the class again today. Many of you took it with me last year, and it, 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 it changes lives. It's about living a bigger experience and understanding how we participate in co-creation. And what some of the practices are to have in our life so that we can, when we find ourselves slipping back into to limitation and separation, 
to, to pull ourselves out of that quicker. That's the challenge for us. Vibrant spiritual community, we shortened it to teach and live from love. Love is very subjective. What does that mean? Everybody's definition of love is different. Everybody's. What I know about love is, and, is that there's two boxes. One is conditional, one is unconditional. I talked about it um, at the first service. I was going through the Bonnie Doon Mall the other day, and out, walks in, right to me comes walking Skyler, and Skyler's one of the little guys that's had open-heart surgery. And so he walks up to me. He doesn't even put his arms out. He just bumps into me. because You know he wants a hug, so I gave him a hug. And I said, how you doing? And gave him a hug. He said, well, I'm going down to meet my mom and dad, and they're going to pick me up in the food court. And then I said, I saw you on TV, because when he was in the stolery having his surgery, the Oiler hockey team went down, and they saw the kids. And he, and he said, what station did you see me on? I said, I don't know, you know. He said, well, I did three interviews. I said, oh, Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But what I know about the teens, it's Teen Sunday. And what I know about the teens is that when you go to teen camp, and we really love that we can send so many teens to teen camp. We have probably the largest teen, we have the largest teen group in Canada and one of the largest in North America. And I'll tell you what's special about that experience. I did it for four years. I was, I was on the, uh, the board of directors for four years with the International Centers for Spiritual Living. And I went every year. And... Uh, I don't want to say that I won't go back, but I went every year for four years. That's all I have to say. And it's an amazing experience, and the living conditions are a little bit rustic. And uh, one night I woke up, it was about three in the morning, and all the lights are on, and they're all passing candy bars back and forth. I said, turn the lights off, go to sleep. And they told me, oh, man, you snore a lot. I said, oh, thanks. So. But one of the things that happens when you go to teen group is there's rules. You know, there's no alcohol, there's no drugs. Uh, people are mindful of their language. There's certain ways to behave. You show up for meals. You show up to, you, you sleep at certain points in time. It's all conditional. There's rules. There's a box everybody plays in. So it helps create the environment so that when, when the groups get together, because everybody's broken up into families, and they do this deep work together, there's an opportunity then for unconditional love to have a real conversation. So love is not everything goes. I, I love this tradition. I love so many things in my life. But because I love them, it guides my intuition. It guides my decisions because I want to honor and care for it. So we create the box with the teens that allows them to then go feel safe enough and comfortable enough so they can have the real conversation. And so it's not one thing or the other. It's about having enough sense of self and being grounded in our own integrity that allows us the freedom then to thrive spiritually. I'm reading a wonderful book by Richard Rohr right now called Falling Upward. And it's about the two phases of life. And I called one of my dear friends in ministry last week and I said, I have my new favorite book. And she said, what are you reading? And I told her what I was reading. She started to cry. She said, I'm reading the same book. It's called Falling Upward. We don't have them in the bookstore. I think we might get some in, but Chapters has it. And he's a Franciscan priest, and he talks about the two phases of life. And he said that he's worked in prisons most of his life uh, as a chaplain. And one of the things he finds in prison is that people have, they weren't parented well. In other words, they weren't given the box to start out with, so they don't have very good impulse control, and they don't understand delayed gratification, which is, I want this, 
and I want it now. And then if I can't have it now, I, I give up. But he said when they don't have that, then they, don't, they end up being incarcerated. And then the prison system becomes the surrogate parent for them, which is very ineffective because there's so many emotional scars that it's very difficult. It's not impossible. But I'm just saying that it's our opportunity to parent ourselves well so we understand the box of conditional love so that we can move to the second half of life, which is the spiritual journey, which is what we're talking about, which is our emphasis here. So some people didn't get that. Maybe, maybe you're one of those. But it's, what it is is an opportunity for all of us to parent ourselves in a new way. And look at that. Because if that's where we are, if that's where we start, it's not impossible. It's just our work to do. And, that, and that's why to teach and live from love, it, it cuts to the chase. When you come into the classes, it's really about you want someone that's a benevolent guide that can guide you with some wisdom and some clarity. So when you read the text and you look at it and all of a sudden things start coming out for you, it's your opportunity to then say, I choose. I choose to have more of this or I choose less of this in my life. And part of what's imparted there are the tools so that those challenges become less um, stringent and less difficult. And it's a process. It's a process of revelation. So the first one is in, in enter classes. It's, it's identification with the divine. This is a community. As a community, we stand for a center of love, of healing, of giving. We are a center of goodness. We are a center of goodness. So if your badness is your story and it's stronger than your idea of goodness, it's not wrong. We're not here to make anybody wrong. But what we're here to say is there may be a different way to to perceive this. There may be a different way to process this. There may be a way to put that down. And all it takes is an opening. Just takes a crack the door open a little bit. I've seen it over and over and over again. Because what I want for you and I want for me is then when I'm living from that, then something good can come out of me. I got bad down. I got bad down. You want to... You want to know more about bad? Come and talk to me. I'll tell you all about it. I got a master's in bad. And I'm not interested in that anymore. I want something good to come out of me. And I want something good to come out of you because look at the world we live in. And look what the world is telling us. And we are the ones that that challenge the status quo, not from anger and frustration, but to say, this doesn't stand, I don't stand for that. I st- and I'm not sure what, I, st- I, I stand for goodness, I know that, and that shows up in my life. That is my knowing, that is my declaration, that is what I impress upon this infinite law. And then step back and allow that to unfold, but to continue to nurture that idea. But it starts first with a greater identification with the divine. You are the thing itself, in form, expressing, creating, choosing, moment by moment. That's our work to do. That's like the math students that say, I'm not, I don't want the fast answer, I'm fascinated to extract the answer. I'm fascinated in knowing what created this. And then as you transform that, as you transcend that, you see yourself showing up over and over again with that story. And you're able to mentor and coach and say, I get it. I know that story. I get that. And that may have been true, but not anymore. And then it's the identification with the divine, and then it moves to 
What needs to be put down? What needs to be put down as a result of this new intention, this new declaration? What is it that's not serving me in that direction? And then it's wrestling with these higher ideas. Not ideas about coping, not ideas about just getting by, alleviating the pain, but thriving. We're here to thrive. We're here to, to live that and to be that essence of life. That's the, the essence of the divine, is thriving. So it does boil down to, is our, is our badness bigger than God's goodness? And it's not. It's not. But if we believe it is, then we, we just limit that. We block that. We block that. You know, I, when I saw Skylar come around the corner at uh, Bonnie Dune Mall, I mean, I, and I saw him, and he's, you know, he's walking along, and, and I know a lot of his story, and I know our practitioner care, our pastoral care team has been praying for him. But he, he lifted me up with his spirit and his lightness, and it's just, you know, here I am. I mean, his physical challenge became a portal for us to all pour our unconditional love into it. You know, what human being doesn't want the highest and the best for this young, young man, one of our young teens, to, to live a life of health and vibrancy and move forward? And, and he just glowed. He just glowed. And so we're, we're preparing here not just for you to have a powerful, wonderful life. When I say we're doing our intentional giving program, I was in a budget meeting all day yesterday. All day yesterday. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm just in prayer. Because people are counting. And every year it's the same story. We're only $120,000 short of hitting the budget right now based on the numbers we have. And I said, okay. So I know, my prayer is that I know that everything is supplied that we need to, hit to reach our budget. I know part of that comes from me sharing it with you, but see, I, I, I live and, and breathe and, and have my being in, the, in this movement and this teaching, and I know that everything necessary for us to continue to do what we do well is supplied, and it shows up. Every, and I just, so I sit at the meeting and I listen to why, all the reasons why we're not going to hit it, and then I say, okay, I get it. And, and, I, and I tell them, this is my responsibility. And, and something powerful and wonderful and good is, is flowing here, but it requires that vibrancy. If I buy into the statistics, if I buy into what has been, then I, I, can't, I can't move my thinking and my faith into this bigger idea. We're in the faith business. And the reason that we want to resource it and we want to be able to continue to do things powerful and wonderful is we're changing the world. Person by person, we're changing the world. We're challenging the status quo of our individual thinking as well as the thinking of the world. And a world that works for everyone. And this movement is coming together. This integration that we're going through is a reflection of that. And it's powerful and it's exciting to be part of. Man, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. And you are part of that with me. So I, I thank you. I, I, we were watching a movie the other day, and I said to Laura, isn't this great? You don't know how it's going to come out. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh. What are they gonna, we, I love that. Don't you love? How's this going to come out? I mean, that is cool. That is neat. You know, I mean, if everything that's going on in our lives, if we didn't have that divine urge to, to push forward and to allow the things to come through us, I mean, that's just the sweetest thing. It's a wonderful thing. How's this going to come out? How is your life going to come out? I can't wait to hear about it. I mean, your success is preordained. It really is who you are. It's preordained. All we have to do, all I have to do is get that, that badness out of the way so I can say, okay, have your way with me. Have your way with me. 
But then, then I'm not doing life. I mean, I'm making suggestions along the way, but life's doing itself through me as well. And that is, that is uh, co-creation. So it's, it's our opportunity, your opportunity, my opportunity to set that intention and to, to nurture it and, and do the examination and see what I want to bring along with me. And then when those, those higher ideas show up that are so foreign because I'm not used to living that way, to wrestle with them. It's in Scripture. We wrestle all night with an angel. It's a higher idea that we wrestle with. And it's okay to do that. It helps, it helps give us the strength to move forward, the spiritual strength. And so I'm excited. I'm excited about life. I'm excited about setting an intention, about being in this movement and watching what's happening on this planet. We're the ones changing the world. One person at a time, one consciousness at a time. And I'm proud to stand with you. And so it is.